Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, some provinces take further steps toward reopening their economies. Based on what's happening on the ground, based on the advice of the Chief Medical Officer of Health, our command table, and our local public health experts, most regions in Ontario will be allowed to proceed to Stage 2 this Friday, June the 12th. An exemption to restrictions at the Canada-U.S. border will let immediate families reunite. Following a review of our current policies and in consultation with our public health care experts as well as the provinces and territories, we now have a path forward. And the Prime Minister defends his decision to attend an anti-racism protest amid pandemic restrictions. This is a time for people uh, to make sure their voice is heard, but it's also a time in which uh, we need to follow uh, public health instructions as best as possible, which is why I and many others uh, wore masks, even as we tried to keep our distances in, in that, uh, those massive crowds. It's Tuesday, June the 9th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Susan Delacorte, columnist for the Toronto Star. Susan, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. We're seeing the provinces in some cases, especially Ontario, taking more steps now to reopen their economies. And I think there's there's a lot of uh, relief at that, I think, a lot of uh, excitement and optimism, but also a lot of, of concern and caution. I'm curious to see how people will react. And I'm also, of course, curious to see what the impact will be, whether we will see uh, uh, rise in the number of infections as people get out into the community more. Yeah, this is uh, it's coming at a really interesting time um, because uh, I think if you were listening to the wave of um, public health officers doing their daily briefings uh, over the past few days, what they keep saying is that they're worried about people's mental health. They were worried about um, now that the weather's getting nice, containment measures are, are even more difficult than they were. So I think, I, I actually think that some of this reopening may be more psychological than medical, that uh, that, that people have got to get out. You, you heard uh, Doug Ford talking about this yesterday with the reopening of Ontario, that he's... Uh, uh, He's, he's going to hang in to the last minute. We, we should say Toronto has to wait another week. You know? yeah. um, once Doug Ford accepted the idea that, that this was going to have to be a regional reopening, I think you're seeing it happen over over the course of, of two weeks, too. But I think what a bunch of things going on right now are demonstrating is that that Canadians, that their, their patience and their tolerance for the lockdown is getting more and more uh, stretched due to the weather, just the length of time. And we we have to say, too, I think we're going to talk about this, seeing all these protests, you know, people pouring into the streets uh, over the last couple of weeks has shown that there is there, there's a pent-up demand for people to get out there. And I think we heard uh, Dr. Tam, uh, the chief public health officer yesterday saying they were going to be watching the numbers really closely over the next two weeks to see whether the protests had had led to any kind right. of spike in numbers. And I think you're going to see the same thing with Ontario reopening. Uh, can people do this carefully? This may be a trial run. It may be, uh, it may be the beginning of the end. I know that's what, uh, what I'm certainly hoping, but it's, uh, I, 
these are, I, I think we should still be thinking in terms of baby steps. Yeah, and uh, what I'm seeing is uh, more nuance to the approach rather than than the simple broad brush approach uh, a, a few months ago, which was shut down everything, shut down the schools, shut down workplaces, shut down businesses, uh, uh, shut down arenas, shut down everything. Now, I think there is a little bit more of a sense of, okay, these things are likely pretty safe and other things are less so. So let's let's allow in the communities where there's been a decline in infections and in the activities where the risk is lower, let's get some things going again, right? Yeah, it would be very interesting to see what would be happening if this wasn't happening in summer, because a lot of the, the, the safety is in the outdoors. Uh, that, that you know, restaurants and patios, for example, that's uh, going to be their saving, their saving grace. But I think, I think what you're saying there is I think we're learning how to do the pandemic better. You know, yeah. that uh, we should be learning how to do it better. We've been at it for three months, but but that that gradually we're learning um, that there are targeted ways of keeping the economy going. Yeah. I, I say we're still going to see a lot of people uh, hurting over this summer. This summer is not going to be like last summer. This is not going to be. Uh, a friend of mine used the comparison a few months ago, we're not going to have reopenings like the end of World War II with people pouring into the streets and dancing. That right. just is not, is not going to happen. This is going to be very staged. But as you pointed out, people did pour into the streets and continue to pour yes. into the streets for <laughs> demonstrations and protests, and the Prime Minister was one of them. And he had to answer questions yesterday about whether that was appropriate behavior, because in that circumstance, there was not a lot of social distancing asked a lot of hard questions yesterday about this, and, and good questions. Uh, Conservative leader Andrew Scheer said, and I, I think probably reflecting what he was hearing over the weekend, that a lot of Canadians were um, upset and confused by a prime minister who's been telling them for three months to stay at home and then walking into uh, protest. And the prime minister um, I, I, Certainly, my evidence is from uh, watching social media yesterday about this. This is a very lively discussion uh, over uh, protests versus the pandemic. These are the two biggest things that are going on in the world right now, and they are two opposing forces. One is be cautious. One is get out there. And the prime minister parsed the two yesterday in two ways. He said, first of all, this is important. Uh, It's important for a prime minister to be part of this. Uh, to 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 indicate that he is taking the Black Lives Matter protests seriously. There is a feeling, not just in Canada, but around the world, that something has clicked, that, that there is something, that this time is different. And the Prime Minister wanted to signal, I think he said yesterday, I could not sit looking out the window at all these people gathering and not have the Prime Minister of Canada be there to take it seriously. He also said, that uh, he was following public health rules, which was, uh, you know, wear a mask, keep physical distance as much as possible. Uh, And the public health officers were asked about this yesterday. Howard New, the deputy public health minister, said there is certainly a risk and that uh, given that 
that the virus takes five or six days to incubate, they're going to be watching in the cities where these protests, you know, Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, where these protests were were large, uh, whether the virus was moving around some, <clears throat> moving around the protests as well. So all to say, uh, I don't think this is over. The Prime Minister has, I don't know, since about year two, he was, uh, maybe even you could say since Justin Trudeau first arrived on the scene, he's been a polarizing figure. Uh, and, but but this this idea that he was at a protest is feeding into a story that, that his critics like to tell, which is he does not believe the rules apply to him. And uh, that the Tory leadership candidates, conservative leadership candidates, are putting that out on social media. Andrew Scheer right. was talking about it yesterday, and, and a lot of people are talking about that still. All right. I want to come back to the issue of uh, policing and racism in Canada in, in a moment, uh, because the prime minister spoke about that from a different angle yesterday as well. But just to, to wrap up on the, on the coronavirus crisis and some of the implications of that and the decisions being made around that, a couple of other de- developments that we can talk about quickly. Uh, there's a report that there could be fines and even imprisonment for fraudulent Serb claims that uh, that happened, the emergency response benefit. And also there's talk that uh, the restrictions at the U.S. border may be relaxed a little bit to allow for the reunification of, of families, so that the, those people uh, be allowed to travel across the border. So again, a couple of examples of where the government's mind is turning to as we move into a different phase here. Yeah, they, these are both indications of how long this pandemic is going to last. They are not signs that it is lifting. They sound like they are, but um, one is uh, they've got to get people back to work. And we're hearing the Canadian Federation of Independent Business is reporting that because it's summer and because this money is out there, they're having a hard time getting people back to work. And there is there are provisions in this legislation, reportedly, that... Um, that will encourage people if there is a job to, uh, or discourage people from continuing to take the benefits. Uh, and we've been hearing more and more about fraud. You know, the longer this lasts, the more desperate people are, and uh, and things like this happen when people get desperate. I I read the again in a similar note. I read the news about family reunification at the U.S. border as a sign that maybe that border is going to stay closed longer than June 21st. Um, because if they were planning on reopening in a couple of weeks, they just tell people to hold on. I think given the chaos in the United States, the fact that we're starting to see that some states reopen too soon, that I would take yesterday's announcement on limited, very, very limited uh, traffic across the U.S. border, a, a very limited lightening up of it as a sign that that border is not opening again very soon. All right. And finally, uh, let's come back to the issue uh, that uh, that has provoked the protests on the streets of Canada. Uh, the prime minister said yesterday uh, that he would consider putting pressure on the provinces to look at body cameras for police officers. It's not his jurisdiction, not his call, but it's an issue uh, that is obviously going to be debated and discussed and has been before at the local level among Canadian police departments. Um, do you think this is the, the next step in where we're going uh, with addressing uh, allegations of police brutality towards uh, people of color? 
I, I think it is a product of the Prime Minister seeking advice from his ministers and his gov- his team around him, what can we do really quickly to show we're serious about this? Because what, what we are hearing in every protest is they're sick of words. Jagmeet Singh talks about it. We're sick of pretty speeches. We want to see something concrete. I don't think it's an accident that Bill Blair, the public safety minister, used to be the chief of police in Toronto. Toronto has had a lively debate about body cameras. Um, and, and their use. And uh, I, this, this sounds to me like something Bill Blair said to him is, look, this is something we can get moving on immediately. We have seen the power of images uh, in in fueling these protests, in, in keeping police accountable over the last little while. It is, it is because people had a nearly nine-minute video of George Floyd that that didn't come from the police body cameras, came from cell phones. But it is a testament to two things. The, The fact that the chief of police, the former chief of police of Toronto is in the cabinet, and the power of visual imagery, which this prime minister knows very well. All right, Susan, great to have your perspective on all of this today. Thank you very much for joining us. Okay, thanks, Mark. That's Susan Delacorte, columnist for the Toronto Star. The reality is that many people in this country simply do not feel protected by the police. In fact, they're afraid of them. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Globe and Mail, Gary Mason argues we should be enraged by what happened to Chief Alan Adam. Mason writes, Because of something that happened in the United States, everyone is upset about racism-inspired police brutality in Canada. Like this is something new. The attention span of those who have the power to actually do something about these issues is often very short. My guess is that nothing will happen, and minorities in this country will continue to pay a price much heavier than the rest of us. In the National Observer, Brandy Moray asks who will march with Indigenous peoples. Moray writes... I see the solidarity of people showing up for the Black Lives Matter movement. It's inspiring. But where are those same people when it comes to equal rights for Indigenous peoples? Do Canadians understand the severity of the crisis of racism here and how it's killing our people at higher rates than any other ethnicity? Is this the moment Canada will finally notice what's happening with the oppression of Indigenous peoples? At globalnews.ca, Bill Kelly argues Jugmeet Singh's criticism of Justin Trudeau misses the mark. Kelly writes, Singh has criticized the Prime Minister for not calling out Donald Trump for his racist behavior. He says that publicly lambasting Trump is worth the risk of reigniting trade tensions between Canada and the United States. But do we really want another trade war while we're in the midst of a COVID-19 economic meltdown? We don't need a leader to remind us of Trump's racist rants But we do need a leader who looks after Canada's best interests in these troubled times. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Green Party will release a policy statement today on what it calls the reimagining of Canada. CPAC's Martin Stringer explains. Mark, Green Party parliamentary leader Elizabeth May will be on Parliament Hill and party leader Joanne Roberts will be in Halifax to jointly release what they call a blueprint for a reimagined future for Canada. 
Now, it's no secret that people across the country are debating exactly what Canada should look like when it emerges from the COVID-19 shutdown. We know that the retail sector, the tourism sector, commercial real estate, the workplace in general, and not to mention long-term care homes will all have to be radically restructured and rethought to face a future more resistant to contagious disease. We know that the federal government, in its multi-million dollar large employer emergency financing facility, or LEAF, will be taking into account carbon emissions and sustainable development when it decides which large corporations might receive federal bridge loans. But the Green Party will go further. It will make the call for the federal government to use its weight in reorienting the economy as it emerges from this crisis towards a less carbon-dependent, more sustainable, and more locally self-sufficient economy. That press conference starts at 9.30 Eastern Time. Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will speak with the President of Botswana before a news conference to speak about the COVID-19 situation. He will then attend the sitting of the Special Committee on the COVID-19 pandemic. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, June the 9th. Tune in to CPAC and CPAC.ca throughout the day today for continuing coverage of the coronavirus crisis. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.